0: Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, fiduciary duty. I will also, after that, spend a few minutes with a little, of, with a little bit of lightweight, uh, basics about your final exam. and then on Wednesday is a full-blown review for the final exam. And I anticipate that you will come with questions for me. I will spend some time telling you what I think you should need you should know for the final. And then it's your turn to ask me questions about the final exam, just like at the midterm. And then you'll be all pre- uh, prepared for it, or sort of. I will be at my office, of course, through the week. Uh, most days I'll be in by about eleven thirty. So, uh, and then uh, on Wednesday I will, I'll be in cl- this class after at twelve thirty. But on, Thursday, t- on Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be there until about one thirty, before my other class begins. So, if you've got some questions, by all means, crank them out to me. Also, as a friendly reminder, your Wall Street prep is due. You've got to get it finished by the end of the day on Friday. Uh, <coughs> I might, if, got, if you're desperate, uh, you can do it through the weekend, but you've got to have it done before finals week starts. And I'll get. I've got a dashboard in Wall Street Prep, so you don't need to tell me you're done. I'll see who's got who's got it in that dashboard, and you'll get your extra credit for it. Uh, and also, when you're when you're finished with that, if you pass it, there is a little in Wall Street Prep, prep in your account uh, dashboard. There is a little bu- uh, uh, LinkedIn button. If you click on it it will automatically post your certification to your LinkedIn profile, which is really worth it for you because then the certificate number, the whole nine yards is there so that it becomes a verified, you did this, you're certified. So be sure to do that when you're finished if you have LinkedIn. Now, as usual, I'll look at the numbers. Uh, for the day and as you as well let's unmute as you can see we have an up day but it's a pretty unimpressive up day the Dow is up a quarter of a percent uh, as is the S&P 500 the Nasdaq is sort of trailing behind at uh, only about 0.17 up so and there you go with crude oil as i told you it's now in that 72 79 band it shot above it last month early in the month and now it's back down in there in that bouncing range and of course gasoline prices are not responding very well because well monopoly and oligopoly runs the ga- uh the hydrocarbons market gold down now below the neckline, so the gold bugs are in retreat. They, apparently, the, the economic apocalypse has been postponed. Now here's an interesting thing, the euro is uh, depreciating against the dollar. It's falling, as is the British pound. So as you can see, uh, that means the dollar is getting stronger. And that is a little bit of a surprise uh, to some who thought that the euro was going to get up to about a buck twelve uh, per euro. And here it is tailing back down. It's broken back down below that $1.10 neckline again. And the pound sterling has broken down below the twenty five per pound neckline. So, good news. And of course, Japan, it's depreciating too. It's, uh, it's, the quotes, The quote of the pair is backwards. That's the that is the, uh, the uh, yen depreciating against the dollar. So globally, our currency, the U.S. dollar, is strengthening again. Why? Well, that's kind of complicated. It looks like there is a sentiment that there's going to be one more rate hike by the Fed. Oddly, inflation is down which should get the Fed off our backs with these rate increases, but God forbid the job market is still strong and so they're going to kill off that job growth, that job market <laughs> come hell or high water. So they're going to jack up the interest rates one more time to see if they can cool off the hot market for employment market, <laughs> which is of course contrary to what we would like to have happen, but there you are now. Last night, Nikkei in Tokyo, stocks were up. It wasn't anything terribly impressive, but it was a decent run, about a half a percent. And then when the sun set in Tokyo, it started coming up in London, and London started out with a dive, and then it began to recover. And it's, it's up about a half a percent. They're nearing the end of their trading. I prob- Well, actually, they should be over with by now, I think. But so... You know, the markets are up all over the world. The dollar is stronger all over the world, but it's nothing spectacular. It's nothing to write home about. So what that means, it's hard to tell. But enough about that for the time being. And we'll do one more on Wednesday. Just one more look at the screens and look at a couple of stocks, just so you know how to answer questions on the final exam that have to do with actual using what, we, what you've learned in this class. But for now, I want to finish the entire topic of agency. And I have gone through the agency dilemma. Now, there is a PowerPoint, as I've told you, it's called Agency, and or Agency Problem. and um, So you've got that PowerPoint to fall back on. And be sure you look at that, because on the final exam I'll ask two or three questions about agency, and um, I'll also ask two or three questions about the Federal Reserve, the topic of these two special topics in uh, the last week. But as far as agency goes, and I'll go through the agency problem one more time, Agency, the agency dilemma is simply that... The agent has incentive to maximize its own welfare instead of that of the principal. Instead of that, the agent has incentive to maximize its own welfare instead of that of the principal. Now remember, in a normal agency relationship, it's the principal's job to watch over the agent. It's not the agent's job, it's the principal's job. And that can be done only with appropriate monitoring and enforcement of its contract with the agent. Remember, the two uh, keys are monitoring and enforcement. And that is, in a normal agency relationship, and I'll get to that in a little bit here, the principle carries the, is the respondent superior, and carries the vicarious liability, not the agent. So it's the principal's job to make sure the agent doesn't maximize its own welfare. Now, the agency costs we need in finance always to liquidate, find out the dollar value of what the agent can do for itself instead of for the principal. And I started out, and I'll go back through them again, Start to do it from the beginning again. The first of the agency's tricks, if you will, its ways of extracting value that belongs to the principal, is through perquisites. Perks, as we call them. This is extract... um, Drawing cost that belongs uh, drawing benefits because of position taking from the from the principles because of the position of the agent, the CEO who has the oversized desk, the executives who fly first class to all of their meetings and stay in nice hotels and eat good at fine restaurants. That 's shareholder money, and yet the shareholders are the principal, and yet the agents the the, the executives will take these perks for themselves and this happens uh, not just in corporations, it happens in government <laughs> positions as well uh, there 's a famous story here in our state of one state senator who requires who demands that there be a police officer with him at all times. That officer carries his coat, takes care of his, drive, taking him places, and all of that. That is taking from the principles the citizens of the state because of his position. He can do it, that's a perk. Now the second agency cost, and I already addressed it, is shirking, avoiding duties as an agent avoiding duties as an agent. I gave you the example of the account executive who bragged about how his desk was always clear every night and the reason that was the case was because he would take all the work off his desk after his subordinates had left and put his work on their desks for them to find in the morning and do. That is shirking his responsibilities. Uh, not working at your best productive pace during the day, going around chatting with people, going out and having a smoke break, taking a few extra minutes for your lunch, those are all shirking your duties. And you will be the bosses who will have to watch over that, and it is your duty to make sure that they don't shirk, that they don't waste time. And all of that good stuff (sighs) shirking the professor who cancels class for the day I just don't feel like teaching those bastards today really that's your job but who's going to monitor and enforce that's the problem in that one okay three This one, direct theft, stealing. I'm gonna take home a few pencils and that's, simple, that's stupid, but it's direct theft uh, on a larger scale. The talk about, well, we have all these customers who steal shoplift and all that. Well, you also need to have a look at the employees. They could be doing this too, and then you've got an agency problem. Direct theft. Uh, Got an interesting example that kind of comes out in an odd way. A consulting job, one of the early ones I did was for a small uh, kosher uh, slaughterhouse and butcher shop up in New York State. They... uh, it was a family run business. There were some outsiders who were on the board and executives, but it was mostly family. They had 32 employees and they, the problem was that they knew damn well that employees were taking food home, meat. There were jokes about, yeah, the guy would come in looking like a wimp and he'd leave every night with big muscles under his shirt. Or the lady who came in looking very nice and thin and then she'd leave pregnant because they were hiding food in their clothing and all that. And so part of why they needed, were asked me to come was to raise money for a, an expansion of their facilities. They were, they were getting a lot of business, but they also wanted to buy a security system So that they could watch the floors of the the cutting floors uh, and also they could watch the hallways going out and watch the uh, parking lots and keep an eye on all this. And that'll cut down on this direct theft. Monitoring and enforcement. Okay, good. We've got the monitoring part down. First of all, let's talk about that monitoring. You're gonna have to have cameras, a really good system. This was years ago, and CCTV was not that new at the time, was not that, was fairly new at the time, and also you're gonna have to have someone watching those cameras, so you have to have security, uh, someone to keep an eye on all those cameras, and they were operating almost 20 hours a day, so you have gotta have people there for that. And then let's talk about enforcement. What are you going to do? If you catch someone in the parking lot unloading a beef roast from his or her shirt, are you going to stop them? Are you going to beat them up? Are you going to arrest them? No, you can't do that. You're going to be surprised at how quickly you're in civil liability territory. So you've got to figure out how you're going to do this mess that's going to be very expensive. In other words, the cost of the extra monitoring is going to be high. How much are you going to earn... How much are you going to save from doing this? As much as it's going to cost you, how much extra savings will you get for the extra costs you're going to bear in this? And also the enforcement. You still haven't figured out how you're going to enforce these rules, the, this anti theft uh, thing that you've got going on with this new monitoring equipment. Interestingly enough, there was a young man, he was just fresh out of college, well, he was one of the kids of the original founders, and he was fresh out of college, and he said, he offered an idea. He said, instead of all of this, why don't we make free meat Fridays? You can take five pounds of whatever you want home every Friday. And of course, there was some real bitching about that, but then they started looking at the costs. Okay, how much is five pounds of stake going to cost you, really, compared to how much is that going to cost you to, for this hundreds of thousands of dollars of monitoring system and the extra liability insurance in case someone sues the, the hell out of you for uh, accusing them or roughing them up. Interestingly enough, they actually took this kid's advice and they put it into place and the theft disappeared there was no more wastage happening because everyone knew on Friday, we'll get burger or whatever we want. So why are we gonna worry about hiding stuff? And so there are always, well, not always, but there are oftentimes solutions that aren't some aggressive fist in the face kind of way of handling it. <sighs> okay, now let me check. I want to, I'll look at something real quick here. Make sure that I put all these points in that. Uh, uh, I'm going to check something here to make sure that I've got... Okay. Now, the next one that I want to put in here is y 4. Lying. It happens. You may be shocked by this, but people lie. And in an agency principle relationship, lying has a cost. You know, I'm almost finished with that project. Hell, I haven't even gotten it started yet. Or I already told someone else to do that. I gave the instructions, never did. Well, I sent you an email, no you didn't, Uh, just all kinds of ways, well that machine just isn't working right, well yeah, it's working right, you just don't know how to use it, and you lied to us about this. Um, Well, I've got, I, I know Excel, are you certified? Well, yeah, okay, where's your certificate number? All these things. Classic example was in a uh, company, and I may have already mentioned this one, they hired a fairly well-paid junior executive who said that he was just really good at Excel. Turned out he knew nothing about Excel. And so, surprise, well, when he got to Excel sheets, he screwed them up, caused a lot of cost to the company to find backups for the ones, the uh, originals, that he had pulled up and screwed around with. So those are real problems in a company. Now, there are some people who are, you know, they just do that as part of their routine, but at the same time, it is an agency cost. Now, the last one. Incompetence. Have any of you ever worked for someone who was as stupid as a box of rocks? Well, and that's actually disrespecting rocks. Someone who just can't do the damn job, and is not probably not ever going to be able to do that job. This is a pervasive problem in corporate America. It is also a pervasive problem in sports. And it is also a problem sometimes even in academia. The person who cannot do the job. Decades ago, there was a management guru named Dr. Peter who uh, wrote a book. And it's, it's the popular media treated it like it was some kind of a joke. The Peter Principle it was called. And the Peter Principle can be summarized like that. Everyone is rising to his or her level of incompetence. This is called the Peter Principle. Now, this is not a joke, this is actually a dynamic. Of almost every workplace. Oops, Peter Principal Ellie. Let me explain this to you. Uh, uh, Okay, I'll just pick on you. Uh, We hired you as a an assistant data entry operator. And you know, well, she—we'll see how she does. Turned out, you did incredibly well at this job. I mean, you're an animal on Excel. You don't. Just... And so, you know, merit meritocracy—we give you a promotion to uh, oversee and do more complex spreadsheets, and you are still just incredible. I mean, you're a beast. Oh, my God. So we're going to just bring you up another level. You see, you are rising because you deserve to rise. And finally, you are fairly, you know, in charge of a division. And, you, you've, and you're really good there. And then, one day, in the office, all of a sudden you hear this, the music change and everyone starts scrambling and you say what the hell the music is da 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 oh my god it's the chief financial officer and he comes in you have not disappointed me at all he says to you you are executive level material and we would like to bring you into the executive ranks where you will oversee global operations for the treasury of the company. Join us or die! Besides, you'll get keys to the executive washroom. (laughs) You know damn well you can't do that job. Because it's vast in its complexity, it has much more than just doing Excel, it is having an understanding of all of these different exchange rates and global operations and direct financial investments and all of this. You know you can't do it. Did I mention that the salary is $500,000 a year, stock options and bonuses, and a car of your own to drive? What are you going to do? Are you going to say, no? <laughs> I will throttle you. Or are you going to say yes? Um. No. This is Darth Vader. You don't say um to Darth Vader. He'll pull out his lightsaber. Yeah, I guess I'll take it. Of course you will. And you'll be incompetent. You've risen to your level of incompetence. That's what happens. (laughs) And you'll stop there. You walk into any workplace and you look around. People are either on their way to their level of incompetence or they have hit it. They will go no further, but they'll hit it. We see this in sports all the time. People who were great football players, maybe even good assistant coaches, and then they get up to the coach level, and what have you got? You've got the Cubs. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Do you understand? This is an actual principle of management. And it, it's, you see it all the time in every company is this Peter principle actually is a living thing. And it's an agency cost. Because you're going to have to have your subordinates do all this work for you because you just can't do it. And every time you screw up, it's going to cost the company money. You understand? The, uh, I won't mention any names, but there was an example recently, Bud uh, Light, of someone who rose to a level of incompetence. Did not understand the consumer environment in which that person was operating as a, representative, as a decision maker in a company, and what happened, a very large, fortunately temporary, but very large cost for the company. Rising to your level of incompetence. So you have to actually see where yours is. You're not going to turn down an offer for a job that you can't do, probably. Especially if you can figure out some way that you can bluff your way through it and convince yourself that you can learn it. I'll learn it. No, you won't, probably. But that's how it works. And so that is the, those are the five agency costs. And they're real, and you will face them as managers. You will carry them yourself, you will extract costs, and you will also be in charge of watching other people to make sure they don't extract those costs. That's how it works. Last point in agency is this one. The agency dilemma starts out, the agent has incentive to extract agency costs from the principal. That's all it is. And it is the principal's job. It's not the agent's job. It's the principal's job to keep this from happening through monitoring and enforcement. It's not the agent's job. But here's where the problem is. Some principals can't monitor and enforce. Some principals in some situations do not have the ability to monitor and enforce by the nature of the principle. It can't. Let's talk about the parent-child relationship. The child is the principal. The parent is charged with maximizing the welfare as the agent of the child. But the child can't monitor and enforce. It doesn't have that ability, generally speaking a doctor-patient relationship. The doctor is the agent there to maximize the health of the of the patient. So it would be the patient's the principal but the patient doesn't have the training, the education, the knowledge to carry the burden of monitoring and enforcing the agent, the doctor's uh, really, uh, duties. The thing about this way, I'm your doctor, I'm a surgeon, you come to me. Now, I am your agent, you're the principal, so you must monitor and enforce my compliance with this relationship. How do you do that if you don't have medical training? You know, I could give you experimental drugs, let's see if this turns them into an (laughs) aardvark. Oh, this will do you good, yeah. What happens if you're in surgery? You're under anesthetic. So you don't can't monitor and enforce. For all you know, I could be pulling out your colon and say, watch this. Okay? Marriage. Remember that the husband and the wife are the principles. The marriage itself is the, uh, 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 the husband and wife are the agents. The marriage itself is the principle. The problem is a marriage doesn't, can't enforce. It can't monitor. The agents, are on their own. A good one, a good example. Uh, If you are a member of the armed forces, you swear an oath to the Constitution to protect and defend against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. The Constitution is the principle and the soldiers are the agents. The Constitution can't. It is just a piece of paper brought to life only through the uh, defense it has of its soldiers. So there are relationships where the monitoring and enforcement can't be done by the principal. Those relationships, those special agent relation, agency relationships, where the principle cannot monitor and enforce under the normal rules. We have a name for those. We call those fiduciary. Because the principal cannot Monitor and enforce the agent's compliance, the agent must do so. These are special. A fiduciary duty is a duty that exists because the agent has a fundamental defect. Shareholders. They are the principals. The board of directors is a The agent. But the shareholders can't effectively monitor and enforce except through an annual vote for the board of directors. The doctor-patient relationship. The principal, the patient, can't monitor and enforce. So the doctor must do it on his or her own. Lawyer, client. The client doesn't know the law. The client it doesn't even have the right to direct access to the court itself. Therefore, the lawyer must do carry a special ag- uh, agency duty, fiduciary. A marriage. The marriage is a contract. It's just a piece of paper. And so that means that the husband and the wife as the agents must carry out their own monitoring and enforcement in fiduciary uh, duty financial statements of a corporation shareholders for the most part they don't know jack about financials so those who prepare them the accountants and, and, and those who watch over them the auditors have fiduciary duty the soldiers have a fiduciary duty to the Constitution. The Constitution, the principal, cannot monitor and enforce the compliance of the soldiers with the aggressive defense of the Constitution. Uh, the parent, the child can't monitor and enforce, even though it is the principal. So the parent carries fiduciary duty. This is a special kind of relationship. Remember what I said in the last lecture about statutory law versus common law? Fiduciary duty comes in common law. It is that highest duty, perhaps captured at its its most uh, purest form in the duty of the knights of the of Middle Ages. They had a fiduciary duty to go out and defend the sovereign, as it were, with the best of their abilities. Uh, and also, so that carries us to Black's Law Dictionary, which is sort of like the final authority on legal definitions. Fiduciary duty is described by Black's Law Dictionary, law, as the highest duty implied by law. The highest duty implied by law. Now there are two important words in here highest. You can't have, well, this is the highest, and that one's the highest. Fiduciary duty doesn't work that way. You can't prioritize fiduciary duties. And I'll talk about that a little more clearly here in a minute. But the other word in here is this word, implied. That's common law. It's carried over across the centuries, across the millennia. It's the, it's the law of the tribe. It's the law of the clan. The law that is spoken and understood. We have laws in every state, and even at the federal level. Well, this is a fiduciary duty. Good for them, writing it down, but it goes far deeper than that. It goes to the essence of what constitutes a civil society. So this is a huge one, and they don't spend enough time in colleges of business saying what I'm saying here. And it carries a gravity. When you go out there and get that job, you're excited about it, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm gonna be an executive, a boss. But in a lot of cases, you might have fiduciary duty. And that means that it is characterized by three pillars. Trust, loyalty, and fidelity. Fidelity is faithfulness. These are the pillars of fiduciary relationships. The agent must be trusted, must be loyal, and must be faithful at all times. That's fiduciary tell you a story about this. See that highest there? Prioritizing fiduciary duties is perilous. I had a corp, I had my, uh, one of my companies, it was that consulting company I've talked a lot about in here, and so I had a duty to the fiduciary duty to the shareholders. They couldn't monitor and enforce what I was doing. I had to go out all the time. I was flying all over the world doing jobs that were risky in some cases, absolutely bizarre in other cases, but I was doing what I was supposed to do as the agent in a fiduciary duty to my shareholders. Well, the unfortunate part was that I was also a parent. A parent, uh, the agents, uh, the principals were the children, but uh, they couldn't monitor and enforce, so I carried fiduciary duty to take care of them the marriage I had fiduciary duty to take care of that and I still had my fiduciary duty to the shareholders of my corporation so I had the highest the highest and the highest all at me at the same time well it's funny how that works because one night I went back to my home and it was dark and the kids were gone and the wife was gone and so I had failed because it seems that fiduciary duty doesn't wait for me to decide which one was the highest and then my company fell apart so keep that in mind when you're doing fiduciary duty it carries a bitch of a backfire on you (sighs) but that is the subject of agency and as I said on the final exam I'll ask you a few questions about agency so listen to these podcasts again, look at your notes, and follow that, because the, uh, that PowerPoint, because that's got everything in it that I said here, ah, to make sure that you are ready for this, and ready for one of those things in life that, unfortunately, we don't talk about so much in business, because we got so many other things to talk about, with our fiduciary duties to you. Uh, now... Speaking of duties, you have a duty to have a take a final exam next week. Now, is yours on Thursday? Is yours the one that's on Thursday? Monday. Yours is the one on Monday. Okay. Boy, I, I just walk in the classroom and see which one it is. It's, this one's gotten to be a maelstrom with the different finals. But okay, now. As far as the final goes, this is just lightweight, and then I'll let you go for the day, and we'll hammer it on the review. But the final exam, you are allowed two note cards, four by six, front and back. Okay. You obviously are also allowed your computer to use for Excel, or if you have the virtual calculator, you can use that. You also can have that formula sheet with the ratios on it. Don't write anything else on that. But just have those ratios, that formula sheet. Excuse me. It'll be two hours. Now, I have run the final myself. And to make sure that you have plenty of time, I figure you've got to have at least twice, possibly three times as much time as it takes me to do my own final. And I'm there now. It'll be about 60 questions. They will have varying points. Some will be worth one, some two, some three. Also, there are a couple where it's uh, one question, but it's got multiple parts to it, like matching. The matching section, that's counted as one question, but it'd probably be five different parts to it too and parts to it okay so know that you're going to be busy here for God's sake and I said this for the midterm and some of you already probably know this I've got enough level one and easier level two questions that you can pass it with a C plus a B Do the easies first. Don't plow linearly through one of my exams. Because if you stall out and you blow 15 minutes on one question then you're in trouble if that was like problem number 10 on the exam. Go through. Clear my easies first. Use strategy when you are doing this exam. Yeah? everything Everything. It's comprehensive. Now as far as that goes. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I do copy and paste from the midterm some questions. Ones that you didn't do so well on. Ones that are are the real important objectives of the course. Those w- you'll see on the, mid- on the final. They were from the f- midterm. And mostly I copy and paste. I might change the order of the answers or change a word or two. But do study the midterm and the quizzes, obviously, for good, uh, as good studies. Now, as far as a study guide goes, I showed you this the last time, and I will, if you weren't here, then let me show it to you again. It's in your resources tab in VeggieNet. Resources resources okay let me turn this on here there is a words and terms terms list for God's sake study it it's 116 (laughs) terms or words that I have used in this course in a special way and for heaven's sakes be you go to the internet you're probably going to get incorrect information you will be killed because I will set it up so that if you go to the internet I had a young man in my uh, 344 international finance course he would blown off pretty much half the semester he hit the final he was creamed he wrote me this angry note point by point this 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 and this I said you go into the internet you got the wrong information You went to the internet, you got the wrong information. And so he's pissed off at me, good. He's gonna find that life is a bitch when you think the internet can save your butt from studying. Uh, And I warned you at the beginning of the course, I'm fairly blunt sometimes, but go through these and make sure that you understand all of these different terms that I've got here. Yeah you recommend going to the book to find... Uh, yeah, you'll find a lot of these terms in the book, uh, quite honestly. But there were some that were just from a lecture because it filling it in. But, like, for example, you go into the book, I'm sure you're going to find the risk premium, the default premium, maturity premium, those. But then there were some like this, fiduciary duty. That's nowhere in the book. So, and make sure that you know sort of the... Context for some of these, like when I well put this one, where the hell oh, historical cost well, that has to do with the broader issue of why we are different in finance from accountants we don 't care about history because we 're needing to know what 's going to happen next uh, and uh, I, and some of those i don 't and i, I I try to read the book about every year when a new edition comes out. I can't remember how hard they hit the a term like opportunity cost. It's huge, so do know that there are some of these terms. And if you have one, I don't remember this. I don't have it in my notes. Send me an email message. Don't do like that student did who copied and pasted this into an email message, this whole list and said, Can you define each of these for me? You know, I was nice about it. I just said, kiss my ass. You know, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, if it's a one or two, just ask me, what's this? I don't remember this. Like, for example, can anyone tell me right off the top of your head what OBV is? Silence. That's on balance volume. Remember I told you that the number reported on the stock, stock reports, like for example, just to have some laughs and giggles today, TSLA, Tesla. Can't find it, can you, cupcake? <laughs> well, geez, maybe he disappeared from the face of the earth or he flew off to Mars. Uh, but anyway, there's a, list, there's a number down there, volume, volume for the day. That's on balance volume. That is volume that is listed on the, uh, boy, this is taking forever, on the, um, on the books of the brokers and the dealers and all of that. But there is volume that occurs in the dark, in the dark markets that is not part of the volume that you see being reported. What in the world? Let's try this. Maybe I should try that again. Get Yahoo back up. Yahoo is completely stalled out. Either that... Oh, that's right. We've got the internet here at the college. So that might show up tonight. Okay, anyway. So, but anyway. Seriously? It just died. It can't find... There we go. Let me me put up something that won't scare this thing. Uh, uh, Walmart. WMT. Okay, now see this number down here, the average volume, that's, wow, that is really weak volume today. Do you see that? On a typical day, this, over the last 52 weeks, there, the volume has been one, 6.6 million shares today, it's only two million. Boy, this is a really careful, uh, uh, this is a really scared market. Now, oh, by the way, as far as screens go, I won't do a screen, but I will ask you questions that would have come from would have come from a screen. Okay, so uh, which is larger, bid or ask? Okay, that's a, that, that's an easy one. The beta of this company, well, you tell me, is Walmart a safe or a risky investment? Safe. It's, I mean interestingly enough the beta says it's safer than the P.E. ratio the P.E. ratio is a little above where I usually like to see it at 30 so Walmart may be a little overpriced right now but it's nothing terrible is uh, Walmart profitable oh yeah earnings per share $4.20 per share uh, does it pay a, yes it pays a dividend look at this The dividend is more than half of the earnings per share. So, in other words, they plow back from their profits more than half, uh, less than half of what they earn per share. So, they give a little more than half back to the shareholders. So, in other words, one of the reasons this is such a safe stock is because a lot of your overall return is through the dividend not through the capital gain. As you can see, Yahoo is saying that it's going to rise only about $12 over the next year, which is anything. All right, I can't stand it. I had to see this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate to gloat, but as you can see, high risk, overpriced. So that's, one of the reasons you would expect this stock, notwithstanding what Yahoo seems to think, and this company doesn't pay a dividend, so you can see that this is not a safe investment at all. This is something you would do if you have a death wish. And as you can see, EPS is in other words, net income divided by the number of shares outstanding is positive. But when we drill down to the uh, free cash flow, well, there's where you see what the real story is. Right now, uh, you, madam, look very healthy. But what we don't know is that you had one of those alien xenomorphs get into you. And so one of these days, <laughs> that thing, <sighs> yes. Anyone have a question? I thought someone had a question. Yeah. About twenty. Oh actually less than that. Well hang on. I could I guess I could just show you the final right now. No I won't. Go ahead, Sparky. Whip that thing out there. Let's see it. Do it. Okay, just a quick count. Looks like 12. Don't hold me to that. It's around that many. You'll have the bond calculations. You'll have the value of the stock, one of those horizon value and weighted average cost of capital kinds of things. And so, uh, present value, net present, NPV IRR kind of question, obviously. But it's not going to be a whole lot. It's not going to be a huge amount. Maybe find a Cap M use showing you can use the CAP M. Some of it will be almost like, well just plug the formula in kind of thing. That's why on your note card, be sure you have room to write the formulas down. Those costs of the components of capital, the CAPM, the all of that kind of stuff. And I do have spreadsheets available. You can use those on the final. I've got one to calculate a bond price and a bond yield. I got one that finds um, NPVs and all that kind of stuff. So you've got, you've got uh, resources. Show me that you can use Excel because that is such a critical tool of the modern uh, work environment that it's a part of this class. Got any more questions for me? Okay. That's all I have for you today. I thank you.